In the summer of 2016, a mysterious locked book appeared online, promising to reveal the magical secrets held inside if someone could solve the 16 puzzles required to open it. A year later, the book is open, and the adventure that thousands of readers embarked on to unlock it is becoming a book of its own. This is the story of how that adventure came to be. This is the making of the Monarch Papers. Hi, and welcome to episode three of Making of the Monarch Papers. Uh, I'm Simon. Oh, I'm and... CJ. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Johnny. And... Hello. Hey, Johnny. Oh, hey. How are you doing? I didn't see you there. Hi, how are you? <laughs> um, we uh, quite rightly just uh, thought that actually in the last episode, we kind of launched straight in without um, introducing Johnny properly because, you know, we uh, CJ and I introduced ourselves on the first podcast. Johnny, hi, welcome. Hello, again. Who are you? <laughs> I'm the mysterious figure in the background. <laughs> the one that comes up with all the strange stuff that you've been uh, reading about. <laughs> what does that word mean? That's me. I made that word. Yeah. We the just, I'm na- off. Yeah, sorry. Oh, no, that um, that Johnny didn't have a lot to say about Frey Lily and I Have the Moon simply because <laughs> we had like chained him to a desk to um to work on siren's lace which was fragment four which was the brendan lockman role play he designed an entire role-playing game for fragment four and so we were like you get to work we'll work on eye of the moon that 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 uh, podcast might might last slightly longer yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be all the previous three combined (laughs) we're just gonna let you do it on your own johnny oh oh, yeah that's fine just give me a bottle of whiskey i'll just sit there and read it Rant. <laughs> so we're going to talk about um, Eye of the Moons. Eye of the Moons. Um, we're going to talk about Eye of the Moons, which was fragment two that lasted. Now, Frey Lily lasted for two weeks, just shy of two weeks. Eye of the Moons lasted from August 20th to September 15th. Almost wow. a month. Hey, that was good. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, How- I think because we were like, we have to stretch this out. We are screwed for content. <laughs> we- <laughs> Um, so we in in that in that time period in that month we went from sixty readers to seventy readers. <laughs> I'm comfortable I, I with that. So I, was I. Say, I would imagine you said from that in that in that period went from sixty readers to fifty five readers. <laughs> did it? It never went down, did it? It never went down. Just, just no. no, it never went down. We never did. In these two months, we didn't advertise at all. Um, and that was a big way we brought people in. And at the time, no one was wanting to word of mouth this thing because no one really knew what it was. Mm-hmm. And if we could barely describe it to people, imagine someone new to this, how they would explain it to their friends other than the magic guide. Um, so it didn't make a lot of sense to people. They were excited about it, but it was their precious. It was their private little thing that they didn't want to share with anyone. I think also there was no natural place to kind of forum advertise it and say hey come and play this because i know we tried to <laughs> we should talk about that uh and, and certain um arg forums yeah you know uh, on forum doesn't exist anymore oh doesn't it oh then we can totally go to town <laughs> i do feel bad about what happened i heard apparently though it was part it was a hurricane and um there was a flood and he was hosting that server on his own and lost oh, no. lost everything Oh no! Yeah, but it wasn't his fault. So no, it wasn't. <laughs> well, I, was I mean, say, what he, happened with us? He was he was perfectly nice. <laughs> yeah, right. So I was on Unforum, and I privately asked someone, um, "Can I, I? I'm trying to reach out to a mod. I want to post something kind of in world to bring people into our story. Like, do you remember the Magic Guide? Um, if you do, come join us." Or, and someone wrote back and said, "Yeah, go ahead and post it because there are strict rules there about." Um, how because it's supposed to be a safe out of world place for people to talk about it and you shouldn't bring your mess so I asked and they (laughs) said fine and so I posted it and that was some early big um, success for us I think we posted it right after Eye of the Moons um, or during Eye of the Moons and then you'll see like right after Eye of the Moons we ramped up like we got like 70 or 80 new readers Um, and so we I'm umming I'm umming so we 
we posted it and some people were having problems getting they weren't getting the welcome email that started everything and so i posted one more time as sort of a vague a mountaineer and said i'll look into that but here's the link if you want to get started and ahmad slapped my hand and said no you have already posted once you are not supposed to post again in world you get out of here i mean it was it was hardcore and um, it was a bit of an extreme reaction it was a we bit felt. extreme because i even said i'm sorry i asked someone ahead of time privately and they said it was okay <laughs> but maybe we are looking at a different set of rules um, and, but also i mean the, the the thing that i found interesting and not that we're going to talk much about this but <laughs> a lot of the other people on the forum were going what is your problem moderator you know he's just doing this it's not really in world it's actually a sense to get us into the world so i think you're being a little bit and then oh that did not go down very well it did not go well but you know it's funny I, not only did we find a lot of readers there but we i actually made a friend andrew muto who is a director and a creator of args very successful mm. args he was the one who came to my defense yeah on the forum and reached out to me privately and said, I love what you're doing. And I'm, and I thought that was terrible the way you were treated and we've become friends since then. So it all worked out in the end. It all worked out in the end. Um, Doesn't it always? Yeah. So 60, to, we went from 60 to 70. It took a month. Um, Frey Lily had a sense of urgency that this one didn't. <laughs> well, there's I, an, <laughs> maybe it's because, you know, what they ended up having to do Oh, oh, I remember what we did. <laughs> it, just, just, it was quite a lot to ask people to it was do. A big Particularly, ask. you know, we would have had what fifteen, maybe maximum twenty people actively playing, if that, yeah. of our seventy readers. So, yeah. So, what do we ask them to do? Well, Eye of the Moons was about a person, an entity named King Rabbit, who had been following Deirdre, and. Uh, Posting things on this site called burrowandthefray.com. And when you had unlocked certain, there is a lot to unpack here. This is when we got deep into lore and mythology. And uh, he would post, basically you would earn access to one of four videos that each were six hours long. (laughs) And you would have to find a word that would show up for about five or 10 seconds in that video. I will How say as it got on, up- they got better and better at that. Yeah. How did it take you to upload the six-hour videos? <sighs> a long time. Uh, I never asked that question A long before. time. Uh, yeah, it took a long time. I, I ended up putting them... King Rabbit, who was very tech-savvy, had a Dropbox account. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course he's tech-savvy. And that was... Well, yeah, whoever he possessed was um, was very technologically advanced. And... And those videos, that was the easiest way to get videos up. And people would unlock links to the Dropbox files. Uh, yeah. And that was another, we're a little all over the place. But when we first introduced King Rabbit, people started asking, is this a like a rabbit man? Or is this a human? Like, how are people not noticing that someone, you know, is taking pictures of this girl on the street and he's a giant rabbit? <laughs> So we worked on it's developing. New York. The answer yeah, is it's New York. New what are you talking about? He's in, <laughs> he's in Times Square and people are taking pictures with him. Uh, is that we, we, we developed this idea that he had taken great pains and a lot of magic working with the council, which we hadn't revealed yet, to possess a, a human. So he was inside a human uh, manipulating this person, which is very not... That's why we made him not officially a part of the council. He was sort of... A necessary evil because the, the they were all sort of like aiming the same way and wanted the same thing and were heading for the same goal that um, they, the King Rabbit and the council would work together even though they weren't allies per se. He's a trickster. So he's more of a, a trickster character. He's a Loki. Than, he's a trickster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and, oh, and... We call him now, he's a Steve. He's a Steve. He was, he was the original <laughs> Steve. Johnny's like, who's Steve? Steve. (laughs) Uh, Johnny hasn't been up to date on the forums recently. In the past nine months or so. I would like to say there is a reason for that as well. There is a reason for that. He's been very, very busy. Um, Steve is uh, a... uh, We we don't know. We don't know who Steve (laughs) is. Um, He's a bit of a trickster character on the forums who just kind of 
comes in and makes wonderful comments and meddles with things and it's quite fabulous really. he's a trickster mountaineer ah. yeah so you so, get that from me <laughs> right right <laughs> so so Burrow and uh, Eye of the Moon started with a photo that someone posted on the forum of a girl in a museum looking at a piece of art. And um, people didn't react to it for about two weeks. And so King Rabbit had to keep posting this picture and saying, like, what are you waiting for? I'm trying to start the next puzzle. Uh, <laughs> Take off. And I think because we were working so hard and this was frustrating because we were not frustrated with the players but frustrated with trying to figure out how to do this um king rabbit became this chaos bringer and and how he reacted to the mountaineers was how i personally was feeling <laughs> at the time where this puzzle had gone on twice as long because we'd made it difficult it wasn't the reader's fault but but i generally I, I, isn't yeah i had a good time expressing myself through King Rabbit. And uh, it was our first real enemy. You know, we hadn't established mm. sort of what the the risks and costs were. And it was nice to have a character that was uh, sort of averse, that was sort of working against, helping, but working against and impatient with the, the readers. Um, so at this point, this was a thing we, we did one time and never did again, which was bonus puzzles. Uh, do you, so they had to unlock each of these four elements on Burrow and the Fray, and every yeah. time they did, they would get a piece of information, a name, oh, yeah. and, and eventually they got this document that was about, in the alternate timeline, people that didn't die the way they said they died in this history, and they were connected to magic. And there were bonus puzzles in that, that if you crossed the four elements, the four... Um, pieces of art or sculptures that King Rabbit had shown you, they would intersect over Trinity Church and give you another name. And we had played with the idea of like, ooh, this you could get a little like badge or a bonus for solving this puzzle. It was the first and only time <laughs> we did that. Because we could barely keep our puzzles together without creating extra things every yeah. um there was there was something I wanted to say about that, which oh, oh, huge. Because we know who solved the bonus puzzle. Allison B. Did she now? <laughs> she did. <laughs> Gosh, she's so she's so smart and clever. She, she was so clever and very helpful. So in fragment three, we introduced two characters. Uh, fragment or, I'm sorry, two. Uh, yeah, fragment. Where are we? Fragment. We're in fragment two. two. Fragment, this fragment is podcast two. three. Fragment three. Episode three. Podcast. Okay. No. <laughs> something. 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 Podcast. Something. 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 So. Yeah. We had to introduce two characters in this fragment, whichever it is, fragment two. Uh, and because we were struggling and we needed to nudge things along. Oh, I see now why this, it was a month. It was a month long and we needed to help yeah, yeah. them. So there were two characters, Tom. Tom? Tom, yeah. yeah. And Allison B. And they were our ringers who could come in and nudge things along when when necessary we should talk about how they how they came to be um obviously the mounties n now have um all the pictures of the collectors mm -hmm. and they have um alison bouchard mm -hmm. and uh, it was we thought oh you know it would be fun to have someone related or maybe you know a, a reincarnation who knows uh of, of of that so Alison B was created um and I, I fully intended to kind of inhabit that character and then you, you just went you're not doing enough Simon you need to <laughs> push it forward I went okay well if you know what you want to do with Alison you you run Alison and I'll and, and so I did I think we ran Alison together for a little bit but you basically ran Alison and I'll run Tom and then that way we're kind of we've got these two different characters from different parts of the world. I think did we say Alison was from France? Originally? Uh we did or... it first and then that was another situation where I couldn't I needed her American. You needed her on, <laughs> on your on your in your time zone. Yeah, I needed she her did. in my time zone and not worry about like wait, does she use that turn of phrase? She's, does she use that she's word? descended from a great line of French people, clearly with a name like Bouchard. By way of like San Francisco or Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, aren't they all? Yeah. yeah. Um Yeah, so so um yeah, it, it, and that was really interesting because it felt awful. And even even as we went into the next phases, you know, 
sometimes we needed Alison and Tom to push things a little bit further than we would have liked. We would have liked the the, the, the players to to be able to do more, but quite a lot, of t- quite a lot of the time, that was down to our failings uh, as puzzle writers and creators. And we sort of went, we've 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 uh, cornered ourselves a little bit here. We need to help. We need to help them by revealing something that perhaps wasn't known or isn't isn't as obvious as we thought. So sometimes they would come to rescue, but they would never solve a big thing. No, they no. would never really kind of, you know. Um, Alison might might have occasionally been like a superstar, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, where is she coming from? She's incredible!" I <laughs> like, always felt yeah. terrible whenever yeah. uh, they yeah, were like she... MVP, MVP. She was. I'm like, no, 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 no. She just helped no, you. Please. She just helped like... you. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, 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 they yeah, would you're become absolutely particularly... right. I think it was that because we would lean toward the obscure uh, with and these puzzles. Would... Yeah. And, and then mean, realize, oh, crap, we should have said this or we should. And, and by virtue of the design of the puzzle, we couldn't have in story like, oh, wait, I found another page that has a helpful hint. Yeah. Uh, so we need if we hadn't ha- if we hadn't had them. I know we're skipping ahead, but if we hadn't had them, Fragment 4 would still be going on <gasps> oh to my this God. day. I literally got goosebumps. <laughs> but, but we're not going to talk about that now. That's clearly it, two weeks It still is going on it, guys. I've, I've <laughs> In here. It's still in here. So there, fragment, sorry. There are fragment people two. still trapped at Chart City as we speak. Chart City. We're trying to get them out. So the so the, the the actual puzzle was I mean, I know it's painful, but it was relatively straightforward. Um and it felt like um the kind of thing that you would do in a traditional ARG, a, a traditional um uh, transmedia sort of game. You know, find the clue in and I, I think that's part of you know, when we we had on forum we had um the players were used to that sort of technology and they thought, right, okay, because they organized themselves they in quite did. an amazing yeah. way, you know, dividing it. So, okay, everybody take half an hour or an hour um, and you're going to have to look at it frame by frame and all the rest of it. Um, I, I think that's when we realized, oh, we're going we're gonna to get a, a great bunch of obsessives. Yeah. <laughs> People who are really, really committed to some of this stuff. Um, where could we take that yeah so. right yeah absolutely I, that was definitely the fragment we realized we can't do the traditional sort of arg things um or at least if we do we have to add things like those who didn't die which was yeah. sort of like yes this is sort of more typical arg but we're we're telling a narrative we we're doing a thing about a a world not just to try to like nudge you along and market something um and that was the introduction oh this was also the first time and only time we did bonus puzzles and the first and only time we ever overlapped puzzles we uh we started littering traveler was posting to deirdre's blog um setting up open hedge the third fragment (laughs) and we wanted it to feel richer and like things lots of pieces were moving yeah and it just confused everyone. Yeah. And so, and and also, it it at some point it got to where we were not ready for the next fragment until the other fragment ended. So the idea that we just had a puzzle sitting around <laughs> waiting to go <laughs> that was was absurd from that point on. But uh, uh, so I mean, we could also talk about um, your career as a stalker sort of generally going around uh new york city with your instagram account taking pictures of uh, brunettes about handbags yeah you have an essential yeah i would just walk around soho and find vaguely similar brunettes i was king rabbit find (laughs) vaguely similar brunettes and stalk them and take pictures of them (laughs) and how did you justify this it was i didn't they they had they had yeah it was for the story story. and uh and i yeah i would pretend i was browsing and then feverishly take pictures and hope they turned out um yeah you kind of did that i think it was quite good because you you know to be sensitive you actually put the um the filters on to make it look a a bit sort of strange and painted so that no one was ever recognizable right and and how horrible would that be if they had been that was so that's yeah. scary that we were posting a thing that someone was stalking a young woman and they were actually a stalker stalking young women yeah <laughs> but with the, like the the best of intentions you went to some dark places over the past year haven't you? you've been you've been in seriously dark places 
<laughs> True, I have done some some morally ambiguous things for the Monarch Papers. And some literal dark places. I have, oh. Oh, yes. <laughs> which is, yeah, which that's, is, that's coming up too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, uh, oh man, there was something. What about narratively? Was... What, what, what else is happening for Deirdre at this time? Deirdre was still going through through the night. She was reading through the night. And uh, and I don't, re- you know, she didn't know. This was getting sketchy because eventually she would learn about the Mountaineers. And there was a big discussion with them about, well, should we try to warn her? We should tell her that someone's following her. Oh, and that is why we decided that something was keeping her from seeing their comments. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was one of the first times that they, the the, how this worked in the Mountaineers shaped the narrative, which was we had not originally intended, or we hadn't nailed down the idea that Deirdre was completely protected from magic. We thought like maybe she had physically been protected from magic by sending her away and not making her a part of this world, the, the Ackerleys and the Greens, but not that she had magimistically been protected. And so people are like, well, we have to warn her about this stalker sending a comment and I would not approve it (laughs) (laughs) because we were, I I was like, no, 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 we can't in, in, this is act one of a story and we can't have her know that someone is stalking her. She's been in New York for two weeks and someone is like trying to, um, uh, and so that was like how that developed. It was really just to like stop the bleeding. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it was it was a, a tourniquet, a temporary tourniquet that ended up becoming a big part of the narrative. Mm. And by end of phase two, they had to perform a spell to dissolve that magic. But yeah. that's the sort of thing that was always happening behind the scenes where we would say, okay, no, she was protected from magic. And then it was this domino that was pushed. And we had to see what how that changed our narrative, how it changed the story five years from now. What kind of spell was that? The mechanics of magic. These are the kinds of things that were going on behind the scenes while we're also trying to load up future fragments. And I think that's kind of where we came up with that idea about responsive fiction rather than transmedia storytelling, that this is a story that's being told by, uh, um, you know, creators, but actually the, the, the narrative, the story is being influenced and changed quite significantly by the reader, it's, by the readers, readers themselves because of that interaction. And we got, that's, that's, I think, where we got really, really excited about, oh, wait a second, this is... Uh, I've not really seen that before. I've seen, I don't know, maybe that maybe it does exist, but I haven't seen it um, before. You know, we've seen um, Choose Your Own Adventures and ARGs and Transmedia. You're still railroaded, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I think too, and that I think I can imagine why people wouldn't want to do that because if you are a big company and you have a marketing campaign, you want it outlined and done. You want to know how it ends, what it looks like every step of the way, and... And I think because we were so small, I say this a lot, because we're so small, we can more easily pivot. And I think in the future, if someone else were to try this outside of Ackerley Green, it, that would be the mandate is like, no, stay tiny. Don't be a big department trying to do this because you can't write that ship. You need to be able to turn immediately if someone says, I'm emailing her and telling her there's a stalker. It's like three people need to come up with the solution to that. Yeah. I agree, and I, I, but I also think the that one of the things that we recognised, or that we um, not recognised, sorry, um, you know, both you and I, Carrie, have a um, uh, some kind of grounding in improv mm-hmm. through our through training, and that is absolutely indispensable in the situation. Yes. Being able to be in the moment and go not to you know n- not just from a role playing perspective, as in you know I can pretend to be this character and, and get on with it, but actually just responding and going okay. I'm fine with the fact that this is where we're going because otherwise I've had my I've got my next three months planned out. This is where we're heading. It's about okay. Well, how do we creatively get them back on track to hit the beat that we need them to hit in the way that still feels satisfying for them and they start to feel like well they know that they've actually um, been a participant in the story itself. Yeah, absolutely. What, what's interesting too though is that we kept promising that, but we tried to make it as seamless as possible so that we didn't say it's not like a choose your own adventure where you could hold your place and go back and see what it would have been. Yeah. You just are experiencing a narrative 
and it feels like it was the way it was supposed to happen. But we mm. are running around <laughs> like chickens with our heads cut off <laughs> behind the scenes, trying to make it all work. Yeah. And 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 one of the I think well, it's this is the next fragment. This is next week. But Open Hedge was one of the biggest narrative shifts based on I think one comment, which was Traveler was posting comments to Deirdre's blog. I guess we can talk about it because she he was doing it during. Eye of the Moons. And and it we had sort of obfuscated it a little bit so it looked like it didn't completely make sense, like it was hard for him to communicate. And someone at some point said, oh, I don't know, this post to this post, he posted a week later and it looks like it's deconstructed more. Mm -hmm. I wonder if he's having trouble communicating and it's getting worse. Mm -hmm. And that is not what we intended, but it we loved it. And yeah. so we came up with that entire mechanic of Every time they ask him a question, he'll tell them more, but it is making him lose himself. Yeah. And eventually he will be gone completely. And that's the cost of casting this magic. And that was the first time these stakes were ramped up and it was someone they cared about who was helping them. And they would eventually find out who that was. Uh, but that was one of the first big sort of responsive fiction narrative shifts where we liked their idea so much more, we moved the entire room of furniture around to accommodate yeah. it. Uh, oh, I loved that. I they loved were always that. my favorite conversations when we, we realized what we actually had in front of us and how we could weave it into what we were doing and, and, and kind of you know navigate us somewhere off into a different direction and yet still keep yeah. the whole thing together. That was the great thing was that how it kind of went, For sure. oh, yes. There was no kind of real jarring starts and stops. It all seemed to right. flow for me. Well, from this side, it seemed to flow. <laughs> no, yeah, it did. I kept you very, very protected, yeah. Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> you had you very insulated in your little room, working on Fragment 4. So, yeah. do, we, do, do we have questions? Well, I had one more thing I wanted to oh. mention, which was, and it just flew completely out of my head. Oh, oh sorry. Was that this was... Um, this introduced this fragment also introduced two pivotal characters in the those who didn't die they clicked through and found the article about a boy whose body had been found in the subway and his name was Brandon Lockman and the article was written by Martin Rank and those were two we we knew we were setting up Brandon this was another thing where at this time we would introduce elements of the next puzzle at the end of the first Yes. Which we ended up with. It's like, we have no idea where we're going next week, so we're not <laughs> introducing anything. Um, but also, I, I've mentioned this a couple of times, but Martin Rank was, I, I created that article and thought, what is a horrible, great name for a reporter? <laughs> <laughs> and Mar and I, because I finished the article and realized, oh, no, the byline would be in that snippet. So let me literally off the top of my head, we, ha we don't have an M name, Martin Rank. <laughs> Uh, and never, I really honestly never thought that that would come back at, at all, at all. And um, became sort of, I've now revealed to everyone that the Monarch Papers, the book, is written from Martin Rank's perspective. Ah, but I couldn't tell anyone that until the Monarch Papers was over because we <laughs> threatened his life every other week. Oh, seriously. <laughs> Several times. <laughs> and I didn't want people to say, well, he can't die because he ends up writing the book. Um, so that that was interesting. And then we, we segued from Brandon Lockman into Fragment 3. But the one thing, other thing I wanted to say that you were talking about, Johnny, and we had mentioned this in a hangout very early on, was that this idea of that we talk about called responsive fiction, um, which is how we the sort of mechanics of how we built the monarch papers i describe it as we build a room and that room is really important for our story and it has a lot of furniture in it we have designed it to look a certain way and we're waiting for you to come into it but if you go into the other room this this side narrative that we didn't anticipate they were wondering like did we just make it up whole cloth and i described it as no you went into the a different room and while you weren't looking, we dragged some of that furniture <laughs> in. So we would reuse this couch and reuse that dresser. Yeah. But we're also like, okay, what room are we in right now? Ooh, I like the light here. I like this window. Let's move this around. We'll leave that that table for some other room, but let's put the couch in here. And so that was, it was very, you were absolutely on point, Simon, when you talked about it being improvisational, which is 
how do we make a story with what we have now that they've gone off on this tangent yeah but there's there are rules and structures that are you know that are that are skeleton or our backbone and we can play around that and not be thrown by the fact that um oh oh we're going there now right yeah. okay right. <laughs> um and we do have questions we have a lot of questions for eye of the moons um most of them centering on king rabbit <laughs> uh oracle asks what really inspired the character of king rabbit he seems to have such an ex he seems to be such an eccentric character and i've been curious um well i think it's what we talked about which is we we needed an immediate antagonist because we knew we were really, it was going to be a slow burn for revealing the big bad. Everything we do in this is based on Buffy. <laughs> where <laughs> we were the, the Joss Whedon rules of story. Yeah. Where you would have the, the monster of the week, but you would plant the seeds for the big bad that you would have to fight in the finale. Um, my whole life is is based on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. All our life based on <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Even if you don't know it, even if you've never seen the show, your life is based on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> well, I was just referring to the three of us. I know. But I'm sure everybody else's <laughs> life is to, also. No, 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 no. I wanted to take it global. It's everyone, <laughs> even if you don't know. Um, yeah, so that was sort of the idea where we wanted, like, here's a little mini arc of this bad guy. And let's play with the idea of, is he good? Is he bad? And people's minds were kind of blown when this stalker who was going to steal from Deirdre, who was taking photos of her and what ended up working with the good guys. And the reason that happened in a responsive fiction sort of way, we've, we've mentioned responsive fiction a few times now without ever establishing to our readers. That's just sort of like the idea that we came up with the title for how something like the Monarch Papers happens, that sort of improvisational thing. Um, but we, the King Rabbit, was ostensibly a bad guy in the beginning, but we realized, wait, he's working for the common goal. He's giving them clues to open the Book of Briars, to work with the council. And so we had to shape it so that he was a trickster. He was chaotic and he was like, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so that ended up playing into that mythology later. But we needed to play with the idea that things were so critical that even good guys would work with bad guys to accomplish this this end goal. Um, so but yeah, why, so that's sort of where King Rabbit. Why King Rabbit? I think is why King is Rabbit. Yeah, I don't know. Did I, you come it, from that? Did you find the image afterwards? Yeah, I found the image afterwards. Yeah. yeah, and it was creepy when I first saw that image. I was like, oh, oh, so oh, oh yes. That's so oh, it was perfect. Right. And I, I, I credited the artists in a hangout at some point, but never enough. That image was perfect. Yeah. Oh, and he would post things on his Instagram stories like, what are you waiting for? Yeah. With just that image. <laughs> Brilliant. I love, what a great antagonist just um, the that we wrote. Let me just. The beehive. If... <laughs> bang, bang, bang. Move faster. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I'm not sure where the name comes It was one of those things of like, this would be interesting. And um, because he's from the fray, the in-between world, yeah. I wanted to sort of, it's that idea of um, Tolkien where he says, if you explain something, create another question. So we explain that there's this in-between place and this king rabbit could be a physical rabbit, could be an anthropomorphized rabbit, but that makes you ask 10 other questions for the one answer you got. Which, which we're now been our mandate. <laughs> Um, so the next question is who or what inspired Cole King Rabbit and Traveler whose personality was the hardest to create um, Cole we always knew was a was going to be a supporting character and an ally of Deirdre whether or not he became a love interest was ultimately up to the readers um, King Rabbit was like what we said, we needed a foil, we needed a trickster, we needed someone to help move the narrative along. That was another thing. In the first fragment, we had no physical force who was helping accomplish the puzzle. It was just an old manuscript page that couldn't change, that couldn't have clues added to it if we needed to nudge it along. And so King Rabbit, we needed a live sort of force that could we could see things were going wrong and we could shift it around and have King Rabbit do something. And Traveler, uh, that was sort of, we, we knew the, what the twist would be, not immediately, but eventually knew what the twist would be. And so that was the only big complication for me with Traveler was 
was um, we, keeping that well, we a, had, a secret. We had a yeah, and we we hadn't decided who Traveller was until we decided it. Right. We had gone back. There were two or three characters that Traveller could have been. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then we didn't know how much we didn't know. The reason we didn't know was because people hadn't fallen in love with Traveller. The idea that he was disintegrating instantly made him this tragic, lovable mm. character. And then people also fell in love with the idea of Brandon Lockman in Fragment 3 and 4. And so so at that point, it felt like, oh, well, that makes sense to interlock those two characters. But it's another idea where we knew we had these characters and it was up to them if they had thought it was someone else. Would it be more satisfying to make it that other character or more subversive to make it Brandon? Yeah, so um, they were all hard. Which is, yeah, which I think is, an, is a lovely way of describing. It's a great example of how um, the ideas that the readers come up with, it's not necessarily going to be right. That's the that's the that's the idea we go with. It's a then you go into an editorial decision and a creative decision about what works for the story, which is uh, what's effective, what's going to keep us as close to our. Um, ultimate goal and our ultimate direction but as you said what is narratively and emotionally satisfying both for the reader but for also for us and our central narrative so i think it's it's a really great example of how this mm-hmm. this works effectively how you contribute and then we go yeah we like that or yeah. and then and i love and we we would got so i remember we would get so excited if the readers come up with an idea that we go where has that come from because we haven't even thought of that that's brilliant yeah and then move everything around to accommodate it or to subvert it i mean as as creators not only do i love satisfying them but i also like ripping their hearts out (laughs) (laughs) if at all possible and so it was nice married men yeah oh yeah destroying the lives of married men Um, so another question oh i'm gonna get to that one later that'll be a fun last one I've got to ask why the field video was there any significance to its content or you simply wanted something repetitive and lengthy that fit the bill. (laughs) Um, That was a, it was a, I think a four minute video and then you could just loop it. And so even that would crash my computer creating the six hour video in final cut and hiding that word. The, the reason I chose that was because, we knew King Rabbit was from the fray, this sort of in-between place. And so I wanted to find something that felt suitably kind of fantasy, kind of um, otherworldly in a way, this looping plane. Um, and it was cheap at the time. <laughs> we were trying to keep it. Cheap was a, was a real creative direction for cheap us. Cheap was a big, at the time, was a, yeah. Before this, this was all before Patreon. This was all before yeah. we had any resources at all. We're to... not cheap now. We're affordable. <laughs> we're affordable. Now we've stepped it up to affordable. We're looking forward to affordable. Yeah, these are gonna. I have some interesting questions for Johnny. I'm gonna what? let Johnny answer, but I, um, I want to get to. Will we learn more in the future about King Rabbit and how he came to be associated with the council? <laughs> I'm really curious about how King Rabbit fits into the greater magic verse as well, since he's not a part of the council proper. Is he a woolly or just another pocket of magic that managed to slip through the cracks? Whew. Also, what was the deal with his possession? Who did he possess, and was there a particular reason why he chose that person? Whoa. There's um, a lot to King Rabbit. I think we could uh, we could investigate. I was just looking the King Rabbit King Rabbit Chronicles. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm going to take you back now. <laughs> right that to, uh, uh, I just had to refresh <laughs> You're myself. You're away. Um, in the in the forums, uh, one of the players asked. Uh, if King Rabbit had taken the magic guide and where and how he came out. <laughs> Do you remember that? No. <laughs> th- well, this is how King Rabbit replied. I'm a slave to the lie, same as all of you. <laughs> but whatever force still remains, oh. hidden in the darkest corners of the world, has chosen me, not to receive the message, but be the message. It is all the justification I need. So basically, he fudged the question. <laughs> He totally <laughs> <the question. laughs> so maybe that's where we start. I mean, maybe maybe we'll, we'll see if we can contact King Rabbit and get him to take the magic guide, and we'll. Re- yeah, we'll... It's like stop asking. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think King Rabbit knew a lot. I think the idea we played with was that when he took possession of someone, he was a slave to the the mind and the body and the world he was yeah. in um, when he was here. 
because we did play with the idea that he was losing his grip on the possession of this person. And, and it, we did, we never got into who he possessed and why, but that's interesting. And that's something that we could King rabbit Chronicles, which I've already yeah, written down. Yeah, absolutely. I'm into that idea. Um, uh, yeah, he was just, he, he was a, an, a vehicle for solving the next fragment with the, with, with the council, the council, I forget we hadn't introduced them yet. So that was, there were a lot of questions about, is it just the book who's delivering all this? And later we would establish that there was an organization communicating through the book yeah. or using it. Um, I know we, we kept wanting, I yeah. kept wanting to bring King Rabbit back into the story. And you're like, no, no, yeah. no. <laughs> I felt a res I felt a responsibility because he was so beloved and also later Cagliostro that I felt if we ever did, we, it would have to be, yeah, you know, perfect. Yeah. And and I and I, it's sort of like Buffy. If you love a character, or there's some great bad. Everyone would want them to come back in that season, yeah. but if you wait two, three years, it's so much more satisfying. Yeah. If if you if you if you delay Absolutely. that pleasure yeah. delay, so so Johnny, I'm going to ask you these questions. I'm not going to answer them. I'm interested in these in your answer. What guild was Brandon Lockman, and what guild do we think was King Rabbit? You just turned the question on me. Oh, that's so yeah. mean. I for me, um, they're weather watchers. Absolutely, they're adventurers. Oh. They're people that go into unknown realms and they're interacting hopefully you know they there's an opportunity to come back but i don't know if there is or not hmm. um <laughs> but you know there's that kind of you know that fearlessness of of throwing themselves into something completely unknown I which to me i see myself as a weather watch by the way yeah oh. yes, yes, yes. That they, they, they kind of like <laughs> no, I no don't. one else does do. Do we have how many weather watches did we get in the end? No, I don't see you, you as a weather watch. Weather watch. We have, <laughs> yeah, we have about three weather yes. watches. I said that in the beginning. In the beginning, there was a seventy-year-old French woman and a twelve-year-old, <laughs> and those are our weather watchers. So King Rabbit is actually a seventy-year-old woman. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to. Yeah. I want to pose this to uh, Simon too. Who do you think? What guilds do you think Lo Brandon Lockman and King Rabbit were in? Um, I think Brandon, yeah, Weatherwatch. I'll mm -hmm. go with that. Um, although I, I, I still think he probably has a a little um, uh, thorn mouthiness to Ooh, him. He's studious. kind of a hybrid because he's quite studious. He's quite bookish. He's mm. quite insular. King Rabbit. He, I feel. Balamora. Um, I was going to say, but there's because, a Balamora streak because he's the whole yin yang kind of the great chaos. Of, yeah. The great chaos. I, I, you know, that's that feels like it, the 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 guild of tricksters to me. Yeah. Um, so that that Steve belongs. Yeah, that's interesting. I would say I I agree with both for King Rabbit. Um, I would say for Brandon Lockman, almost like a poly guild of Weather Watch and. I, I get he was studious and he loved that book, but he was a creator. And so I would almost yeah. say Weatherwatch and Flinterforge, <laughs> sort oh. of a, a Weatherforge, weather. oh, where yeah. all of the things he Flinter. made, the campaign and the, the coins and the, yeah. all the sort of, he was a creator too. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, okay. Um, like and then the last question was from Ginger. Correct me if I'm wrong, but King Rabbit took Sullivan's pocket watch when he chased down Deirdre. He said he got what he was promised. Whatever happened to that watch and why bother taking it? Um, <laughs> what a great that question. question That's a <laughs> That's really, a really good, question. good question. I would say where I'm giving too much portent yeah. to this. Don't read into this readers um but i wanted to set that up for reasons um what, what is the actual question I'm so flustered. <laughs> what's the deal with a pocket King watch <laughs> when he chased down Deirdre, um yes yes he stole her pocket watch and then disappeared and we decided that it had to do with the idea that she was protected from magic and so he was sort of repelled by that spell um, but he got the pocket watch. He said he got what he was promised. Yes, I believe the council said you can have that pocket watch if you accomplish this goal. So we see his motivations were not to open the book necessarily, but it was, um, he was a collector, if you recall. He was, 
He was um, someone who he wanted pieces of art and sculpture. He he loved beautiful things. And, and we had set up this idea in the beginning. He kept saying the new part of his collection. And for a while, people thought that meant Deirdre in like a weird, <laughs> like yeah. seven serial killer kind of way. But it ended up being the pocket watch. And whatever happened to the watch? Well, if you recall, when Deirdre met Mr. Wide Awake, she wanted to ask a million questions but as he was leaving neither nor it's so funny to talk about fragment two where it's like oh in a museum and a sculpture and <laughs> purses and then at the end of phase four when deirdre was talking to the bird man in the fantasy <laughs> world, uh, uh, she asked what about the pocket watch because it was a regret of hers that she lost it and mr wide awake said king rabbit lost it as well as soon after taking it from her he uh -huh. lost it Hmm. Um, and so whatever happened to that watch? Who knows? Maybe somebody will because see. Because magic. Why bother um, taking it? Hmm. Because magic. Maybe it's important. Because, because magic. Um, uh, yeah. I have a sort of, you, you've mentioned Neither Nor. Isn't this when the idea of Neither Nor started Wasn't... for us? Or as we, as we would call it, Neither Nor, but I know it's Neither Nor. I did a voice chat the other day on, and everyone call, it's one of those things where everyone in the world calls it one thing and the author calls it something else <laughs> i'm the only one who says neither nor everyone even, else says neither nor if you go back to uh the phase one soundtrack there are two tracks that i used that say neither nor it's very very specifically neither i'm like oh God, do i have to go and change this <laughs> i'm not gonna change them <laughs> yeah, that's right. um no and then even in burrow in the fray the the clues were neither here nor there nor there yeah um and and that was a whole cloth a word we were working on something else i won't say what and johnny randomly said neither nor as one word <laughs> and i was like that is stolen forever and ever. <laughs> I don't think it was a random thing. I think I'd had this great idea for a, that we needed to park somewhere on a board that I had for something that I wanted to do. And I perhaps and you I, went no, no. But I think there's a whole list of things where you opened your mouth yeah. too soon, and, and, and which is why I'm saying gone, nothing now. Oh, yeah. I'm mine having now. that. That's it. Mine. That's mine. mine now. Mine now. Mine now. I keep it. Mine, mine now. Mine. mine. <laughs> I have a question. That was such there, a great... If you don't mind, if I don't know if you recall. I just want to pause and say that Johnny. Don't forget your question, mm. but that Johnny is the man we turn to when Simon and I are completely exhausted, narratively, puzzle-wise, yeah. and we say, "Please give me a really good word for this thing." <laughs> yeah. And he'll give you four options. One of them will be the perfect thing, and that's that's how I... it goes. We can always depend on Johnny for the best. I'm like words. A, a dictionary of strange ephemera. I don't, I don't know where I it comes it. from. And then, and, then you'll, and then you'll send, like, here's my reasoning yeah. for this. Here's the wiki. Here's this article. Here's 500 years ago they used to call it I've this. Never chose, it's, it's I don't think best. I've ever chosen a word that was just completely random. Went, oh, no, that sounds good. Let's just have that. <laughs> I love it. It's I will start doing that it's now. A, it's a, a, very, I, it's a yeah. very helpful resource. I don't want, people, I don't want the <laughs> listeners to start going, oh, okay, well, let's work out where this breaks down <laughs> so they can work out my reasoning yeah. going forward. <laughs> So what was your question, Johnny? Do you remember um, choosing King Rabbit's Instagram handle? Where did you get the 717 from? Was that intentional? Do you remember? Well, I can't remember what his Instagram it handle is. What is it? King yeah, Rabbit either. 717. Because <laughs> I remember some people saying, oh yeah, no, if you turn the 7 round, it's a butterfly. And I was like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. did we have that idea? We, you know, what's funny is 33 we chose because if you reverse the three, it it looked yeah. like a butterfly. That was definitely intentional. Here's what's so funny, and this is a thing that we'll talk about more and more, is that strange things would happen that, that worked yeah. in the narrative by accident that ended up feeling like weird magic or resonance. Yeah. Um, and 717 was a date that we started introducing. It was when we... When we let people come into the game early um, in July, it was on the first fragments journal page. It was July seventeenth, and and then people started realizing that if you turn the seven around, it looked like a yeah. butterfly. A seven, a one, and a backwards, and a seven looked like a butterfly. Um, but it is um, my kid's birthday. <laughs> ah! Oh, we should have and... that in the diary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put that in. Um, 
But so that was, uh, I wanted to choose a significant date. And that date narratively is also significant that you, we will not yep. talk about probably for two and a half years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yes, it is significant. Yeah. So it wasn't just that, but it's one of those things that we started hinting at that like there are bits of this other time, this other book, this other age that are stuck in people's mm. minds. 33, 717, those are things that are relevant. But where that date first came from was, yeah, my kid's birthday. It's, it's funny, isn't it, how those sort of things creep in and that, you know, go, oh, yeah, I'll, I'm just going to use that. So in the, um, uh, in Monarch's Mountain, in the, in the, in the collector dates, there's some significant dates for when each of those collectors becomes or is born or where they're born. All of that is just like, hmm, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll just use that. I'll just use that. I'll just yeah. use that. Because <laughs> it's, that's my and birthday. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and also, I think we like seven one seven. I I put in a few places because I thought we could figure out a way to pay that off mm. later mm. if if people really went down that path. And and it was a thing that people just didn't pick up. They especially, I think it was Mike who said, actually, if you flip that seven around, it's another butterfly. And people kind of left it at that. And we love yeah. that. And it was a weird sort of like, ooh, that is kind of yeah. magic. How strange. Um, because it's really one of the only other ways you would, but we love that. Um, and that's where that yeah. came from. Yeah. It was a great spot. Awesome. Great spot. Yeah. Uh, so next week we're going to get into Oban Hedge, which was the first giant, enormous breakdown of a puzzle. Uh, where it of a puzzle? Where it completely <laughs> broke. Oh, yeah. Where it, yeah. Where it <laughs> broke down. My own personal mental and emotional breakdown. No, we, we break down the next, <laughs> the, one after, the one after that. Fragment four is when we broke down. Yeah, no, the puzzle broke down first. That was that was a. We'll get into that, but that was the first time that we were completely making things up because something had completely broken. Yeah. Um, but it all worked out for the best. I love you. It's the first time it's that first that happened. It's definitely not the last. <laughs> not the only time. Um, yeah, this is fantastic, guys. What a lovely podcast I've had with you. I today. enjoyed oh, that. As always, that was lovely. Thank you. <laughs> okay guys uh have a wonderful day and readers we will see, see you, you next week. time